Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 971. I ran, I lost to the incumbent by four votes, and it was sort of the uh, the big story in the local newspaper, of course, is before I had a newspaper. I learned from that, you know, even though you're tired, you, you've got to pick up the phone and make one more call. You've got to knock on one more door uh, and just go the extra mile and prove to everyone else that you have more stamina than they do. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I'm a revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Ted Odell. Hey, Ted, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? You bet I am, Mark. Let's go. All right. Ted Odell is the founder and executive director of the newly formed Hackett Auto Museum located in Jackson, Michigan. He's a professional advocate representing people and projects across the state of Michigan and has served as both an elected and appointed public official for nearly 12 years inside both chambers of the Michigan legislature. Ted enjoyed collecting automobiles, memorabilia his entire life, and purchased his first classic car, which was a 1966 Ford Mustang Sprint 200. Very cool. At the age of 16, Ted currently serves on the executive committee of the Motor Cities National Heritage Area and... He's affiliate of the U.S. Park Service and is a longtime president of the Central Michigan's T's Model T Owners Club. So, Ted, I've told our listeners just a little tiny bit about you. Would you take a brief moment, share a little more about your career and a very obvious passion for old automobiles? Sure, I'd love to, Mark. Thank you. And thank you for having me on the show. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Basically, I've had a life of uh, public service where I grew up in southeast Michigan, a little place called Oakville, uh, which probably does not appear on many maps. Uh, <laughs> and then I uh, essentially moved uh, moved up to uh, Lansing, our state capital, worked in the legislature for a number of years. I also worked for uh, the uh, Public School Employees Union here in Michigan, and where I represented over 21 school districts and uh, their employees. did that for a number of years and uh, worked on special projects. Uh, most recently, I worked uh, worked on a wonderful project for three years with the American Heart Association. Yeah, so public service, uh, helping other people, is what I enjoy. Well, it's very cool. And I love the fact that you've got this concept, this idea of this new museum. And we're going to learn a lot more about that as we go through the questions. But first, I always like to ask my guests for a success quote or a mantra, something that's important to you. And it's a nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars. Yeah. So, Ted, take the wheel. Sure. My favorite quote is, find your passion in life and use it to help other people. Mm. I can tell you from my own personal experience, uh, in the past, I've started two businesses. Uh, failure is a learning experience. I, I've had uh, success and I've had a couple of failures. Um, uh, just to give you an idea, at one point when I was very young, um, back when people still read newspapers, uh, I had opened two <laughs> two weekly newspapers in my small hometown uh-huh. in which in which there was already two weekly newspapers. And um uh, successfully, I ran uh, one of my competitors out of business, and then I sold the masthead for the other one. Uh, and then uh, I had a, a small uh, disability adjudication firm for Social Security Disability. Mm-hmm. Uh, built that up, uh, spearheaded a statewide initiative project uh, um, in regards to that, and it was very successful. And I had actually left that position in that company because I had an offer from the American Heart Association to work on a very special project that I'm proud to be part of. Oh, hey, you know, that's very cool. I'll tell you, I had a newspaper, too. I was in the fifth grade. 
<laughs> and my friend Steve and I up the street, we decided to start a street newspaper about our little street, which only had about, I don't know, maybe 13 houses on it. And we would go door to door and write stories about people and then hand write this newspaper. You know, this is way before computers. So uh, it was very laborious, but I, c- I couldn't find anybody to buy that business. I, I was totally failed at that business when it came to, to turning it around. But uh, oh, that's great. kudos, that kudos to you for doing that. Well, let's go back in time a little bit because you are a automotive enthusiast and I would love for you to share a story that instigated that passion. Is there a pivotal time in your life when you knew you were indeed a car guy? Absolutely. Uh, having grown up uh, outside Dearborn, Michigan, southeast Michigan, uh, and of course your listeners will know that's the, the home of Ford Motor Company and many other automobile companies. Oh, yes. Uh, so, you know, growing up in the shadows of Dearborn, uh, I was always aware of cars and everything. Henry Ford, uh, you can't go to the city of Dearborn without seeing Ford on everything. And uh, my father worked at Ford Motor Company, and uh, three of my grandparents actually worked there as well. And when I was 15 years old, uh, I took part in a celebration for the 150th founding of my hometown. And uh, because of that, I had an opportunity to ride in a 1915 Ford Model T Coupe. Oh, wow. Yeah. uh, And once I felt that car, smelled the exhaust, heard the coils buzzing and clicking, you know, like like an old sewing machine, I was immediately hooked. Uh, in fact, the car was owned by the late Reverend Vern Campbell, who was the uh, Lutheran minister in my hometown. And uh, I was enthralled with uh, the skills that it took to master the, the moving the, the levers and the pedals of a Model T. And if you've ever driven a Model T, you know you have to have educated feet. Yes. And, uh, <laughs> and I wanted to learn everything I could about that car. Uh, so I knew instinctively that one day I would own uh, that car. Uh, or a Model T uh, uh, in the car that put the, the world on wheels, and uh, currently I own two. Oh, my gosh. Wow. You know, my neighbor across the street, Bruce, wonderful guy, uh, he had a Porsche 356 that he sold and bought a Model T. Um, he has since sold the T, and now he has an old 50s VW Bug. But the first time he got that T and he said, hey, you want to go for a ride? Yeah, I jumped up in the seat, and I looked down, and I went, Okay, what's going on with the pedals? <laughs> That's kind of weird. He goes, "Yeah, you you got to have special feet." And he said the same thing about driving that car. But I remember putting my kids in that car, and he'd drive around the neighborhood. And ah, what a wonderful experience! So it's very cool that you have two of those in your life. Very nice. One is a touring, the other one is a one-ton farm truck, which is I got to tell you, rides like a brick. But my God, is that fun! Oh, I'll bet. Uh, I'll bet. <laughs> oh my gosh! Well, that dream did come true. Well, let's take a look at. Some of the roads you've driven down. Now, you've shared that you've had some challenges, you've had some failures in your life. That's how we learn things. And I love this question because it helps other people that might be going through similar challenges get ahead of it or learn something from it, which is the most important part of a failure. So take us to one of yours, walk us through it, and tell us how that experience helped you gain even more momentum as you move forward in your life. Sure. Uh, when I was very young, at the age of 19, uh, this is not car-specific. I apologize. That's to the okay. Listeners. No, it's business-related. <laughs> yeah. I love that. <laughs> I grew up in a very politically active family, and uh, uh, I decided at the age of 19 to run for county commissioner against a four-term incumbent. Oh, wow. Uh, four-year, yeah, four-term incumbent. And uh, so I went out, uh, raised a little bit of money, uh, had some flyers printed up, and walked to every house in the district. And uh, after school, my or after college, I'd come home from classes. My mother would drive me uh, from from door to door wow. <laughs> because we lived sort of in the country, so yeah. you couldn't really walk everywhere. And uh, anyway, long story short, I, I ran. I lost to the incumbent by four votes. Four? Four. 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 Four votes. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> 
and it was sort of the uh, the big story in the local newspaper, of course, this is before I had a newspaper. And um, I learned from that, you know, even though you're tired, you, you, you've got to pick up the phone and make one more call. Yes. You've got to knock on one more door uh, and just go the extra mile and prove to everyone else that you have more stamina than they do. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. I, I, I took that lesson. I've applied that to everything else I've done in my career. Uh, uh, growing up, and I'm fortunate to say that I've been pretty successful in everything I've done. Uh, not always, but pretty much. And I just learned from that. You know, just you got to keep going. You got to keep trying. Uh, failure is not an option. And if you do fail, that's okay because, like you had just mentioned, it is a learning experience. Wow, tenacious for sure, persistence for sure. And those are two key things with entrepreneurs. But most definitely, when you get into politics, I, I don't know how politicians do it. I mean, they must have the height of a rhino combined with an elephant to to deal with what they have to deal with, the rejection and the ups and downs. So kudos to you. But my goodness, at ni- 19, right? Is that when you did that? 19 years old. Wow. Four <laughs> votes. Oh, my gosh. So close. Yet so far. Yeah. Second place doesn't count much in horseshoes, no. <laughs> hand grenades or politics. So, uh, no, it does oh, my gosh. Well, let's shift gears and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share what I call a career aha moment. You've done a lot of really cool things in your career and your life. And of course, again, we're going to talk about this uh, Hackett Motor Museum in a moment. But uh, what was your aha moment, the one you'd like to share? Uh, You know what? It it wasn't that long ago. It was actually my 50th birthday. Uh, I thought to myself, you know, if I'm going to follow my passion, uh, I have to do it now before I'm too old. Uh, So I was thinking of ways to make money with my passion. I asked myself, one night I thought, you know, what is your passion? And of course, the answer immediately is my Model T car. Yeah. Uh, so I asked myself, well, how do you make a living at the, with that? And it dawned on me, I said, well, why don't I give rides uh, around the neighborhood or give rides for money? You know, brides and grooms, like from the church to the reception hall, uh, people celebrating anniversaries or, or kids going to the high school prom and other similar events. Oh, yeah. Uh, so I put a little note on our neighborhood Facebook page. And my phone started to ring. Cool. Uh, so, <laughs> so I took those experience and, and those led me to ask myself, how do I make a living and share my passion for automotive history with strangers? Well, the, uh, the answer was a museum that allows people to have a, an event and a historic building filled with automotive history and a place where they can invite their guests and their guests can walk around the vehicles without ropes and signs that say, do not touch. Right. And, and although I've loved my uh, time in politics. I've met wonderful people from around the state of Michigan and indeed around the country, but I just, I had to follow my passion. And, and mm-hmm. it was that 50th birthday that the light bulb went off and said, all right, what are you going to do the rest of your life? You know, cause in, in <laughs> yeah. politics and politics, it's, uh, there's a lot of, uh, if come, it's not necessarily income yes. uh, here, here. For example, here in Michigan, members of the state house run every two years. And of course, members of our state Senate run every four. So you're, you're good for two or four years at a time. But, um, you know, that just gets a little shaky when you get older. <laughs> uh, yeah, 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 it is for sure. You know, my takeaway from this is a really important message, and that is first to find your passion. And I, I always find it uh, frustrating if you do talk to some people and you say, well, what is your passion? And they can't immediately answer that question. And I, and I understand because sometimes our mind starts to go, well, how can I make money before they define what the passion is? And I think you have to first define that passion, which is what you did. And then look at ways to do it, not unlike what we're doing here today. My passion is learning about people and their businesses and sharing that with others. And lo and behold, there's this platform called a podcast. <laughs> and you can actually make a living doing it for you with the car. I love that whole concept. So uh, very important. Aha. Uh-huh. How about a proudest career moment? I would assume you've had many. You've served. 
the public for so long. That must make you feel pretty good about some of the many accomplishments you've done. Is there one you could share? Uh, let's say a pr- uh, proudest moment of a couple, actually. Probably when I, uh, after I lost that race for county commissioner by four votes at the age of 19, oh. uh, I came back two years later and ran for uh, township supervisor uh, in my home community and uh, ended up winning in a, in a landslide. In fact, uh, I garnered more votes on the ballot in our township than uh, President Clinton had done, as well as our U.S. Senator at the time, Carl Levin. Oh, oh, my gosh. Wow. <laughs> I had a wonderful time, and that, that was a great great job as well. I got to do a lot of good things for the community. Um, and then, you know, uh, other than that, I would say uh, another proud business moment was the moment I realized as I embarked on this adventure to build this, this uh, automotive museum in Jackson, Michigan, is that not only do I get to share my passion with the public once it's complete, but I'm saving a historically significant building, a, a building that matters uh-huh. and a building that should be saved and a, and a building that, that has a wonderful story that should be told. Uh, it's wonderful. I can't wait to hear about that. But first, let's have a little bit of fun. I want to know about your first really special vehicle and maybe share a memory about that car. Oh, absolutely. Uh, first one would be my 1966 Ford Mustang, uh, Sprint 200. Uh, and it's very special to me because uh, that car was located by my uh, late grandfather, who was uh, who actually came up through the Henry Ford trade schools and actually knew Henry Ford uh, and then retired out of the Rouge factory uh, in Dearborn many years later. But he had actually found the car for me when I was looking for my first car. And to be honest, I'm a little, a little embarrassed to say this, but at the time I was looking for like a 1976 Ford Mustang. <laughs> And now when I look back, I think, oh, my God, that car is for a nerd. <laughs> <laughs> it's not as, it's not as uh, nice as I had thought it was at the yeah. time. Anyway, so I found my grandfather found this wonderful 66 Ford Mustang. So my father and I drove over. We looked at it, looked at the car. We took it for a uh, for a ride, test drive. Uh, I fell in love with it immediately. You know, for your listeners, uh, the car was a, an off-white with a burgundy interior. Mm. And, and, and the Sprint 200 line of Mustangs uh, was promoted by Ford Motor Company as the millionth Mustang success sale, uh, meaning it was a limited edition package uh, that was offered only in 1966. And it was uh, sort of a, um, a sport package specifically designed uh, uh, and based on the uh, for the 200 uh, cubic inch six-cylinder engine mm. automatic. And some of the options that came with it included like a, a center floor console, uh, painted accent stripe on the side, uh, which matched the car's interior. Uh, there was no chrome on the rear quarter of the car, uh, and it came with a set of really snazzy deluxe 48-spoke blue wheel covers. Ah, cool. Cool. <laughs> and um, – and it had a special decal under the hood that says Sprint 200. So <laughs> it's not, you know, it's not the, uh, the the Mustang that most guys want, the convertible and all that good stuff. Right. But, uh, yeah. I still have the car today. Uh, uh, long, uh, uh, just a little bit more on that story. I had actually sold that car when I went away to college to, to college to, uh, to some friends of mine. And uh, subsequently, they ended up divorcing several years later. Uh, and they called me and said, hey, we're separating. Neither one of us want the car. Would you be? I'm like, yes. Yes. Yeah. I'll, I'll be right there. <laughs> You're right there. So I literally went over to their house the following day, wrote them a check and brought home my first car. And I'll never let it go again. You know how many people wish they could say that? Oh, my gosh. I mean, I've heard this over and over again from people, but it actually happened to you, sadly, through a divorce, which is not a good way to get a car. But but I actually found a really nice car. I bought an 84 Porsche Cabriolet once because a, a gentleman was having a marriage difficulties and his wife insisted he get rid of it. So I got it at a pretty good deal. But I had a 66 Mustang Fastback. It was a GT350 Shelby nice. clone. Nice. 
So it wasn't a real car, but it was done really nicely. And I just love that car. It was so much fun to drive. Everybody loves the Mustang, especially those old ones from the 60s. How about a seller's remorse story? Is a car you've let go? I mean, you can't well, you, you can't say that one because you got it back. <laughs> Other than the Mustang, yes, there was. There was one I had for uh, several years. It was a uh, 1959 Corvette, uh, oh. Roman red, white coach. You know, nice. that's the car that every guy wants. I, I sold it to purchase my first 1930 Model A Ford, uh, which I truly enjoy. Uh, but the Corvette was a real eye popper. But it was at the point where it needed significant work mm-hmm. or a complete restoration. And, and knowing how difficult it, it is to work uh, and paint with fiberglass, yeah. I, I said, you know, that's outside my, my scope of authority and talent. Uh, so I sold it to a guy in uh, Tonka Bay, Minnesota, who uh, restores antique and vintage arcade games. Oh, wow. So there, there's, a, there's a niche market. Yeah. <laughs> but that was, a, that was a fun car. I bought that from a lady I used to work with in Metro Detroit. And she had actually bought it. On the road from a dentist who was selling it, he had a for sale sign, and she she honked her horn and pulled him over, and she said, "I've got my checkbook. How much do you want for this car?" Oh, <laughs> nice. <laughs> she ended up with it, and then uh, at one point, I remember I said to my father, "I said, you know, if I di- if I die driving this car, just know I had fun doing it." Yeah. Uh, of course, I told him the same thing when I bought my first Model T. So same <laughs> principle, just at a much slower rate of speed. Well, you're probably one of those rare guys that sold a Corvette for a T. I mean, I, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's kind of like my my neighbor again, Bruce, across the street selling a Porsche for a Model T. But uh, you know what? When you get that T in your blood, you just have to have one. I mean, they're just well, yeah. You know, and, and like I had mentioned earlier, growing up in the shadows of Dearborn, um, you know, knowing everything Henry Ford and, and the, the deep uh, blue that runs for our family. Yes. In fact, my brother-in-law still runs a uh, Ford dealership here in Michigan. Oh, cool. But, uh, uh, yeah, and, and to, me, to me, the T is truly the car that put the world on wheels. And I realize that's sort of a cliche. But um, when you study it and you understand it, it truly does make sense, especially yeah. when, when you compare it to, you know, when it came out in 1908, and let's say up through like 1915, you have to realize that American generation, all they knew were horse and buggies. Yeah. And, you know, you can only run a horse for so far. I think it's like, I think the average was 12 miles is what I was told. You could use a horse for 12 miles of time. Then you had to stop and rest. And right. just, I mean, just imagine if you were living in a flat, a crowded apartment building in New York City or Chicago or Detroit, and you could get a car on payments if you had a job mm-hmm. uh, and then your family that car and drive 100 miles into the country. Uh, for fresh air and the great outdoors. I mean, that's just an incredible thing that our generation today doesn't even think about. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's it, it's fascinating. It was a game changer. It was a true game changer. Absolutely. Well, let's talk about game changers. I'd love for you to share with our listeners Hackett Auto Museum. This museum that you're creating, the building that you're preserving. I mean, I love every aspect of this. So tell us all about it. Sure. Uh Long story short, I was looking for a building uh, here in my hometown of Lansing, Michigan, to uh, put my car collection. And, and, of course, like all car guys, I have, you know, you got the gas pumps, you got the fire hydrants, you got the fireman's pole and the neon signs and so on and so forth. And uh, unfortunately, I have a two-car garage, which is bursting at the seams. <laughs> yes, sounds like it. <laughs> for the listeners can relate to that. Uh, anyway, a good friend of mine who works for the state of Michigan in the real estate division sent me a list of uh, buildings available for sale within a 50 mile radius of Lansing that were specifically warehouses. So uh, I looked over the list. I found this crappy little building in Jackson, Michigan. It was the cheapest building on the, on the list. And I drove down there one Saturday morning. I 
found the building and walked around. It's, uh, it's essentially uh, a building built uh, about 1905, 1906. It's uh, built in a New, in- New England mill style, you know, uh, brick and mortar, mm-hmm. arched eyebrow windows, post and beam construction on the inside. So I walked around this building and thought, well, it's, you know, it needs a lot of work, but this, this might work for what I need. And Jackson, Michigan is not that far from my home, just so your listeners know. So I got back in my truck, and I was sitting there in front of the building at what used to be the loading dock. And I sat there for a second, and I looked up, and there's a garage door in front of me. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to try that door. So I got out. I got under the door. I shoved it up, and it went all the way up. The sunlight filled the building, and it was as if uh, the trumpets blared and the ah! angels sang. <laughs> and, and Mark, I knew instantly this that was, was a building. Had that. Yeah. Uh, uh, keep in mind, I had no idea the history of the building until after I uh, had made an offer on it and started doing some research. And then that was when I found out that the building uh, was originally built uh, by the Lewis Spring and Axle Company. No Jackson. way! Serious? Yeah, yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh! They built. Uh, they made uh, springs for um, springs and axles, axles for buggies, bicycles, and, and eventually automobiles. Wow. Uh, so it has a tremendous history. And then uh, the building went on to house part of the company called Standard Electric Automobiles Company. Oh, my gosh. Uh, back in 1912. So here in Michigan, we're building electric cars back then. Mm-hmm. And then that building was then sold to the Argo Motor Company, which was also pretty successful in Jackson. Mm-hmm. And uh, they had originally built a, a four-cylinder, what they called a, a Motor Vic cycle car based on an Ajax uh, that was built by uh, the Briscoe brothers over in France. Uh, anyway, and then eventually the Argo company then sold over to uh, Briscoe Motor Car Company, which, of course, some of your listeners probably know was founded by Benjamin Briscoe. Okay. And he offered what he called, quote, the French, the first French car at an American price. I'm <laughs> not close quote. I'm not quite sure what that means. <laughs> what that means, yeah. Comes with some cheese and wine, a little bit of love. <laughs> yeah, right, a little bit of love. And then uh, uh, Mr. Briscoe, uh, was business partners with a gentleman by the name of Horace Mansell Hackett, who was originally from England, who was pretty successful in his own right. He uh, had a, a small company where he was making uh, coils and other electronic components for cars of the day. Uh, so he decided he wanted to get in the car business. So he bought out uh, the Briscoe Motor Car Company, uh, simply changed the, the, the name badge to Hackett. But the interesting thing is that he would go around the country buying up nearly defunct American automobile manufacturers, and then he would either split them up and, and sold the parts or refurbish them as a whole. Hmm. So one of these companies was uh, the Argo Motor Company and the Briscoe Motor Car Company, owned by Mr. Briscoe. Mm-hmm. And uh, then he decided to keep this enterprise, change the name badge on the car, and then built cars based on parts he had uh, right there in Jackson, Michigan. So it was an assembled car. Powered with a little four-cylinder, you know, side valve engine right. with a Carter carburetor. And I mentioned Carter carburetor because I want to tell you a story uh, uh, in a minute here about uh, Byron J. Carter. Okay. Uh, but anyhow, the Hackett car was offered as a five-passenger touring, and it sold for about $888, which was incredibly expensive, especially compared uh, to a Model T. You could buy it for like $352 sure. at the time. Uh, so this building eventually ended up in the hands of the local daily newspaper in Jackson, Michigan, where they used it for cold storage of old newspapers. And it's been vacant for more than 10 years now. Wow. Uh, so the building has a wonderful, rich history of automotive uh, uh, ingenious and automotive pioneers that I believe is a story that must be told. Oh, yeah. Uh, and eventually, the museum will also be offered as an event venue space for wedding receptions. Oh, how fantastic. And thus the Hackett. So what an incredible story. So do you have a timeline of when you foresee an opening? Uh, yes, the grand opening is May 3rd, 2019, but the building in all likelihood will be open uh, this winter, this 
coming winter at the end of uh, 2018. Wow. Ah, well, this is fantastic. I love it when people take it upon themselves to save history and inspire others through that and tell stories and, and definitely with the history of the building. I mean, it was just serendipity that you ended up parked in front of that building, right? It, it, truly, it was. And uh, here, here's a strange uh, twist. Uh, uh, through some genealogical research, I have several friends helping me with that. We found out that uh, Mr. and Mrs. Hackett, Horace and Mabel Hackett, are the uh, maternal grandparents of the television actress Mary Tyler Moore. No way. <laughs> Serious? So I have no idea what that has to do with cars. Other yeah. Than it's just kind, of interesting. kind of an interesting <laughs> twist. Yeah, very interesting. Well, well, that's cool. That girl. Ah, there you go. <laughs> that, that girl. That girl. Yeah. Is she the one that drove the Mustang in the, on TV? Was that her? I believe. Was that that? I, believe oh. I think so. I think I so. Think yeah, my history's right here. So, yeah. <laughs> I know she threw a hat in the air or something like that. Right. So, right. Yeah. Something like that. Well, here, this is a great, exciting thing. I can't wait to, uh, when you get things going, uh, let me know. I'll share that with my listeners. And, of course, there'll be a show notes page for you on the Cars yeah website with links to your website and then eventually for the grand opening and all that. I hope I can be there for that. Here's a very introspective question for you, Ted. If you were a vehicle, what would you be and why? Oh, okay. That's a good one. That would probably have to be a coffin nose cord. Oh, yeah, yeah, uh, specifically model L29. Wow. Simply because, you know, it, it was so cutting edge for its time. I mean, it had front-wheel drive, uh, independent suspension, h- hidden headlights, chrome exhaust, and supercharged V8. It was very stylish and stately uh, with a degree of artistic flair, but always a classic-looking car uh, built for comfort that took uh, advantage of uh, available technology and engineering of the day. Yeah. Uh, or, uh, but on the, fl- the flip side of the coin, how about a, uh, a three-wheeled uh, Davis Divan? <laughs> well, that is a flip side of the coin. Uh, yeah, I think so. Wow, fantastic. Well, the Cord is such an interesting vehicle. And I learned a whole lot of the Cord through a, a dear friend of mine who we just lost last month, Tom Armstrong. Wonderful man, a, a vintage racer, a collector. He loved the Cord. He had a Cord. And I, when I first met him 20 plus years ago when I moved to the Northwest, Tom was so kind. He brought me to his home, into his garage, and told me some marvelous things about his Cord and the Cord automobile, things I didn't know at all. So uh, a shout-out to him and his family because Tom was just a really, really special person. But uh, I always love this question because it kind of brings out how people perceive themselves. So uh, great answer to that. Fantastic. Well, Ted, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsors. Hey, Cars Yeah listeners, this is Mark Green. I've been using Covercraft covers to protect my cars and motorcycles since I was in high school, way back in 1975. But Covercraft has much more to offer than just vehicle covers. This time of year is very hard on your vehicle's interiors. Rain, snow, dirt, and mud gets into the carpet and the seats, grinding away and destroying the original materials. It's important to preserve and protect your special ride with Covercraft floor mats and seat covers. That's what I do. They offer a wide variety of styles, colors, and materials, all designed to fit like a glove. They're easy to install and provide for anchor points and airbags for safety and a perfect fit. Protecting your vehicle adds value when you go to sell it, too. Simply go to Covercraft.com and order the style and color you like best, and boom, you're set. You'll thank me, and your vehicle will thank you as well. That's Covercraft.com, and tell them Mark at Cars Yeah sent you. That's Covercraft.com. What's every automotive enthusiast dream? To design and build that perfect garage. 
My friends at Metron Garage are a group of creative talents who've combined their passion for cars with their careers in architecture. Their service includes unique garage design and state-of-the-art fabrication. They will create the coolest custom garage for you and your vehicles. Metron Garage's system features fully engineered commercial-grade material and structural framing that's stronger than traditional construction. Their designs are pre-engineered to meet your building codes for fast, bolt-together construction. With over 25 years of experience, you'll see a 3D rendering to visualize your custom garage, and the final structure will fulfill all your storage needs. Contact Metron Garage today and begin realizing your dream garage. Go to metrongarage.com. That's metrongarage.com. Garage is built for discerning enthusiasts. Where it's not just a garage, it's where your dream garage comes true. Okay, Ted, we are back and we're entering what I call the last a lap. I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips. If you can blip a Model T throttle, I don't, I'm not sure you could do that answer. So here we go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? Don't buy cheap parts. Oh. Always buy the best parts available. Yes. Uh, you will thank yourself time and time again. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now, would you share one of your personal habits you believe has contributed to your many successes over the years? Uh, yeah, you're going to laugh, but uh, it's make your bed every morning when you get up. And uh, in my case, <laughs> keep a neat, clean, organized garage. I want to know where everything is. I want everything labeled. And when you're done with it, clean it and put it back. You know, you and I are t- are molded from the same cloth. I think that probably <laughs> had something to do with our parents. But yeah, I still make my bed every morning and my garage is spotless. I have to have everything where I can find it. I hate it when something's out of place. I just can't operate very well. <laughs> Uh, yeah, sometimes it's a burden, but would you uh, uh, have a resource that you could share with our listeners that you have found very interesting? Yes, I would love to share uh, share this with your listeners. Uh, it's called the National Automotive History Collection, and it's housed within the Detroit Public Library in mm. downtown Detroit, Michigan. Uh, it's regarded as the nation's premier uh, public automotive archive, documenting the history and development of automobiles and other forms of motorized wheeled land transportation in the United States. And the reason I wanted to mention that is because it's so important. It has wonderful history. They're very accommodating. And, and to me, it's even more special because we are on this cusp, Mark, of, of the combustible engine is going away. Yes. Uh, I, I mean, in our lifetime, we're going to be riding, in, well, the big three now, uh, they talk about mobility. They don't talk about cars. Right. They actually say mobility units. Yes. Uh, we'll, we'll be in pods going from point A to point B yeah. uh, at some point. And uh, t- the whole thing to me is fascinating. And I think it's going to change the industry as you and I and your listeners know it, much like the Model T changed it for, for the masses. Yeah, absolutely. I've had many authors on this show, hundreds, in matter of fact, who have sourced or recommended, I should say, that resource. It is uh, actual treasure trove. And uh, if we could all take a moment of silence for the combustion engine. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Yes. Times, they are a changing. That's for sure. Now, if I can arrange for you to have a drink with anyone in the automotive industry, living or deceased, who would that person be? I have. I got to break the rules and say there's two. Oh, that's okay. At, at, at the same time, Henry Ford II uh-huh. and Lee Iacocca. 
two guys that couldn't stand each other, but but two guys <laughs> that literally saved an industry at different points. Yeah, Henry Ford was a, the second was a playboy. Uh, Lee Iacocca is pretty much a straight shooter, and I know he's still. I believe he lives down in Florida now. Mm-hmm. But um, literally, two guys that literally saved an industry. Uh, anyone who studied the history of Ford Motor Company knows that uh, the President Franklin Roosevelt uh, intervened, and when Henry Ford. Uh, had taken the company back over after the, the death of Edsel. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he reached out and said Henry Ford II has to come back and, and run this company because it was so important to the war effort yes. at the time. And he was young. I think he was like 24 or so. Yeah. And Lee Iacocca, just because I love everything about Lee Iacocca, his, his attitude, his his, uh, his humor, uh, his intelligence, and the fact that he uh, saved Chrysler. After the whole Mustang thing, by the way. Yeah. And, you know, it, it is fascinating. And there's a great book, The Arsenal of Democracy, that – Yes, I just read that book. Yeah, did you? Okay, uh, good. I was hoping yep, you've read yep, it. Yep, just uh, literally like two months ago, I was uh, headed out to Virginia to pick up a 1913 Carter car, and uh, that that was the book. It was fascinating. Yes, absolutely. Well, that you may have answered my next question, and that is, is there a book you'd like to share with our listeners? Actually, yeah, it's, it's a book I had uh, recently just read. It's called Byron J. Carter. Oh. The ingenious inventor who founded the Jackson Automobile and Carter Car Companies. Uh, the author is Dean Nelson. And the reason I mention that is because he's kind of a guy that uh, many car enthusiasts don't know about. Mm-hmm. But Byron J. Carter was essentially the Henry Ford of Jackson, Michigan. And, and I mention that because your listeners probably don't know this. Uh, prior to Detroit becoming Detroit or Motown, mm-hmm. uh, uh, the city of Jackson had 24 car manufacturers. Um, all the way up through, uh, what, 1953? Uh, Is wow. that when they made the, the Kaiser Darren there? Uh, yeah, but, I believe so, yeah. Yeah, but it's just fascinating to think you had this huge industry that fell away and, and literally moved 50 miles to the east to the city of Detroit. Wow. <laughs> you know, that's the first time that book's been recommended, and I'm so glad because I have a huge spot on the Cars yeah website called Guest Resources. And guest recommended books is one of those categories, and I've listed all the great books that my past 971 now guests have listed here on Cars, yeah, or have suggested, I should say. So uh, I'll make sure that I post that book on your show notes page. It'll also be on the guest recommended books page. And listeners, you can go and find that on the Cars, yeah website. You can find Ted's page there just by going to Cars, yeah, com. type in Ted <laughs> Odell, and you'll find a link to that book. I've got to get my hands on that. That's a, a new one here. That's fascinating. All right, we are up to the checkered flag. And this last question, to cite a very fine mark, can be a doozy. I'm going to buy you any cool collector car in the world today. Doesn't matter what it is. Deal. It's going to be a <laughs> deal. Yeah, I sold. Okay, yeah, that's an easy answer. Now, the hard part is what is it going to be? So what is it going to be, Ted? You know, I have to say it would have to be a 1948 Tucker. Uh, because of the cutting edge style of his day, mechanically sound, able to keep up with uh, modern traffic, and it truly is the bell of the ball. Uh, <laughs> and everyone yeah. that sees it knows what it is. <laughs> yes, you know, the, my local museum here, the LeMay Museum, which is just down the, the road right. from me here, they have a beautiful blue tucker. And I got to spend a couple of days with that car photographing it uh, years ago. Uh, it's just a interesting, interesting car. And, uh, of course, I've had uh, – Sean Tucker, the great-grandson of Preston Tucker, as a guest here on Cars. Sure, yeah. and, sure. and Rob Ida, who's a wonderful restorer of cars, who's built a Tucker and is now building the Tucker Torpedo, a car that was never I've, never made. I've seen that. The, yeah, the, yeah. The photos are incredible. Oh, I know. It's going to be insane. So I uh, ran into uh, Rob at SEMA last uh, fall and got to see a Tucker that he had on display there. So uh, 
Uh, Tucker, very nice. You, you made it real easy for me, pal. Thanks a lot. <laughs> sure. You know, because, you know, uh, Tucker has a history in Michigan, you know, yes. Ypsilanti. And uh, his house is still standing. And uh, so is the original garage where they built the motors. Uh, and uh, one of his grandsons, uh, John Tucker, served on my uh, executive advisory committee for the museum. Oh, so, nice. Great, great okay. family. Great family. If you ever get a chance to meet anyone, the last time with Tucker, make it a point to shake their hand and thank them. Oh, yes. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, I, yeah. He was kind of the Elon Musk, I guess you could say, of the, of the day. Right. So uh, I, I didn't realize geographically you're near the LeMay Auto Museum. You're going to love this. Because the standard electric automobile that was built in my building in Jackson, Michigan, is one left in existence. You know where it is? At the LeMay. At the LeMay. So I'm, I'm going to make a trip, my friend. <laughs> oh, well, when you come out here, please look me up. We'll meet there. We'll have lunch. And, uh, yeah, I'll get uh, Renee Christ, who's uh, one of the wonderful people there that I've had on the show, uh, walk us through that museum together. That would be fun. That would be fantastic. Fantastic. Well, Ted – You've taken us on a great ride today, a ride in a Model T, which makes it extra special. I really enjoyed learning more about you and the Hackett Automotive Museum that you're putting together. I want to thank you for sharing your automotive journey with me and the Cars Yow listeners. Could you offer us one little parting piece of wisdom or guidance before you drive off into the sunset in that 48 Tucker? Sure. Don't go in water where things can eat you, (laughs) (laughs) both literally and metaphorically. (laughs) Now. That's an interesting comment. I grew up in Southern California. I was a surfer up until the the day that I moved up here to the Northwest where the ocean is a little far away and way too cold. Why is that your your, your suggested? Have you had a bad experience with a shark? Words to live by. I have not. But see, growing up here in Michigan, we have all the inland lakes. And, of course, we have the Great Lakes. And as we like to say here, they're salt-free and shark-free. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Well, you know, I'll tell you, all the years of surfing that I, I had, I only saw two sharks. Now, when I say saw, I bet you there was a lot more I never saw, which was probably a good thing. But uh, yeah, when you see a shark in the water near you, it changes your perspective pretty quick. You become a very fast paddler. I'll tell you that. Oh, I'm sure you do. (laughs) And and, and I guess guess the point of that is, um, you know, listen to the advice and counsel of those who've gone before you and and have more experience. But but don't be afraid to make a move on your own. Uh, Find your passion and follow it. Uh, Avoid being the guy in the nursing home who who sits there and says, you know, I wish I had. Yes. Just do it. Just do it. Yep. You know what? Great words of wisdom. And and I'll share – being a guy who grew up in Southern California and I love the ocean, don't be afraid of the ocean. The sharks won't get you, I promise. It's a lot more dangerous driving around on the freeways these days, that's for sure. Oh, yes. I've been on the 405. I, I hear you. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Now, what's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you and the Hackett Auto Museum? Sure. Uh, they can find me on Facebook, Ted O'Dell. It's O apostrophe capital D is a dog, E-L-L, on Facebook, Ted O'Dell. And then uh, the web address for the Hackett Auto Museum is simply Hackett automuseum.org. Awesome. H-A-C-K-E-T-T, correct? Correct. Awesome. Great. Well, listeners, again, you can find links to everything Ted has been so kind to share on his Cars Yeah show notes page. Just go to carsyeah.com, type in Ted Odell, and that page will pop right up. I would encourage you to follow along with the development of the Hackett Auto Museum. And if you're fortunate enough to be in that part of the world and within the next year or so, check it out. I think it's going to be a really fun place. Ted, thanks for being so generous today with your time and expertise and for sharing your experiences with Cars Yeah. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thank you, Mark. It's been a real pleasure uh, being on the show, and uh, I, I appreciate all your podcasts. Pleasure's been all mine. Thank you. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. You're ahead of most people. But what should you do with the money you don't spend on cars? 
Talk to Chris Kimball, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner. For over 20 years, he's been helping people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. And he's a car guy too. Call 253-722-PLAN. Or you can view his website at www.chrisvkimball.com. Make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders, or 12, or 16. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member, Finra Sipic. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.